1: And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Don't look the Saints lost again. Just kidding. Um, hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. We are going into our studs and duds segment, our favorite part of the program when they win, and our least favorite part of the program when they lose, which is a lot these days. The Saints are three and six. There have been a lot of duds in these performances, and this game is no exception. So, Steve. Who is your
0: dud for this game? Well, he's a guy that's been in my duds before, then got elevated last week into a stud, but now back in the dud list for me is offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael Jr. I don't know what the heck was going on this game, and I don't know if he was either, honestly, just between uh, the, the looks he was giving this squad, and I understand that the Baltimore front was obviously making the run game a lot more difficult. But again, just what happened to Taysom Hill uh, just seems improbable and likely and ridiculous that he's so limited in this offense when he's definitely a spark when he's on the field. I think I feel it, you feel it, the fans feel it. And for some reason, they're just not utilizing him enough, I feel like. And once again, no no catches in this game. He had one rush, one passing attempt. Uh, I'm wondering if that rib injury is still something that is an issue. I was trying to watch him on the sideline. I couldn't tell anything that was really hampering him at all. He did have an interesting, long conversation between him and Jameis Winston. And like Jameis was locked into whatever Taysom was telling him. And I was trying to eavesdrop, but could not make out anything. Uh, but to me, yeah, Pete Carmichael Jr., just inexcusable for the misuse of Taysom Hill and just play calling overall I thought was abysmal.
1: Yeah, I mean, Taysom wasn't on the injury report all week. So, right. you know, there, if, if he was dealing with something heading into the game, they did not
0: report it. Um, and so I think he was fine. There was that play, remember, he, he kind of lowered his head and took on the tackler, and I'm wondering, did he do something on that play to re-aggravate it?
1: No, but, I mean, it was from the start of the game. Like, it's the first drive of the game. You face third and one. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, this is a a situation that all season you have successfully gone to QB power, (laughs) and it's like they know what you're going to do. Like, I get it. You don't want to project every time what you're going to do, but – it's a situation where it doesn't matter that they know what you're going to do. You have been able to do it. You have been able to execute it. And for some reason in this game, you didn't want to establish that on the opening drive, which makes no sense. Like I get it if it's later in the game and they've been doing a good job against it, then fine. Do something else. But on the first drive of the game, you're just testing things out. Why are you not going to that? It, I, I think part of the issue was this was a, the first drive of the game is typically scripted and you don't want to go off script maybe, but you ran Alvin Kamara into an 11 man box. <laughs> and if you're going to run into an 11 man box, don't you want to have 10 blockers? It does. It didn't make sense. I, and I just think he got a little too cute in this game and he just, it got away from him. It really did. And so I agree with that completely. Speaking um, of
0: Alvin Kamara, we have podcast. I won't say breaking news, but new news, dee, 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 the uh, transaction wire, Has come out and apparently the Saints have worked out free agent running backs, Derek Gore, Antonio Williams, and Jaquan Hardy, after releasing Jake Funk from the practice squad. Is that Frank's son? That's a great question. I'll have to look that up because I am not familiar with Derek Gore. I'm pretty sure it is. Play college football, Louisiana, Monroe, and Alabama. No, all Gores are not related, Jeff.
1: Is Derek Gore Frank Gore's son? I can't be the only person to have Googled this. (laughs) (laughs) I need to share my screen so you can see the actual result that came up. Look at the very, very specific answer. Derek Gore isn't related to Frank Gore in any in, way. Any way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get that specific of an answer. It's uh, it's a wild time to be alive. That's all I can say about that. But yeah, you completely destroyed my train of thought here. So, yeah Derek Gore. I mean, you elevated Jordan Howard and you just chose not to use him? Like, why?
0: Right. It's like, not like I, he underperformed or, or had like a horrible game on you.
1: No, I mean, he was out there. He was wearing 28. I saw him on a couple snaps. You know, right. it's like, give him the ball. Let's see what he has, right? Like, why? It's just, if you were going to use Dwayne Washington to begin with, then why did you even elevate Frank Gore, right? It doesn't, I, I just, it, it, mm, yeah,
0: I, it, I'm exactly. not a There's it. so many questions that are just, you know, you start banging your head against the wall kind of thing. It's like, what are they doing? Do they know what they're doing?
1: Did I just say Frank Gore instead of Jordan Howard? <laughs> I might have. Either way. Um so let's kind of change track here and so I was able to come up with one one stud for this game in my opinion that was not on the Ravens at least. And it was The refs. Oh, I actually thought the refs, Brad Rogers and that crew had an excellent game.
0: Yeah, fans can't blame them for this one.
1: No. I thought they were fantastic. There were two really close calls that they got right on the field, like that fumble by Andy Dalton or the right. non-fumble. Like, I, I I would have bet money when I saw it live that he did not hold on to that ball. Same he here. Did. He must have the strongest hands. Like, the, that's one thing I came away impressed with from Andy Dalton is his grip strength is fantastic. So I have no idea how he held on to that ball over his head with one hand as he was getting hit. But he did. And the refs got it right on the field. And if they had gotten that wrong... It would have been difficult to overturn because it was so close, but they got it right, so it was easier. The Jawan Johnson touchdown again; they got that right. It was close; they got the call right on the field, and they and they held it up. I didn't. I don't remember any egregious roughing calls. I don't remember any bad pass interference calls. Right. They called a correct ineligible you know, down downfield penalty on the Ravens that set up that second and 15 that the saints were unable to get the f- off the field on. I mean, we give so much crap to the officiating and the officials in the Superdome, especially. Right. And so I feel like that crew deserves credit. Cause I thought they did a great job. And when you, when you were going through a studs and dead segment and the only people you can think to <laughs> applaud are the officials, you know, it was a rough day. I was going to say, do we know their names offhand or no? Brad Rogers is the is the crew chief. Okay, I'm not going to go through the entire but that's the the Brad Rogers crew.
0: I would like to see them do more Saints games because I I thought they were really good. I really did. Yeah, I agree. And then obviously they didn't make themselves a factor in the game with too many flags either. Right. And so like so that's my that is my only non Ravens stud for this game. I I was thinking I was like, I don't know how you're going to come up with a stud in this game because I can't in my right mind give it to anybody. I might say Chris Olave just because he was a top receiver and. Always is impressive. Always impressive, though, to see what he does. Considering there's still no Jarvis Landry, still no Michael Thomas. The man is the only guy.
1: Yeah, he had a big catch before halftime, right? Like this to set up that scoring opportunity. I think this is another situation again in this game where man, you miss Jarvis Landry because I like Marquez Callaway. I don't want Marquez Callaway to be the guy I'm throwing to in that pivotal moment at the end of the first half. Because I think that that's, you know, while Andy might have been able to put a ball on him a little better than that, could still got to go make that catch, right? Like, I think he jumped a little too early. He didn't track it through the air very well. And yeah, he just got to go high point that ball and catch it. You know, Jarvis probably catches it with one hand.
0: Yeah. We see that all the time in practice, him messing around. Right.
1: Um, and so like, that's the frustrating thing is, you know, you, you brought in the wide receivers that you feel like are able to do the job and you are still seeing Marquez Calloway in those moments. And I I I saw a lot of people after the game trashing Marquez Callaway and saying, man, he's he's terrible. And it's like, no, he is what he is. Mm. Like you, there's a reason that you didn't want to go into the season with him as your wide receiver, too. Right? Like he's a solid depth receiver, but he is a depth receiver. He doesn't block very well. That that is something that is, is bugging me about Marquez more than anything else. That that Dwayne Washington reverse from Taysom Hill, one of the reasons it didn't work was that. Well, Marquez, first of all, was asked to block two people, but he didn't block either. And they both got through. And so, like, when you're a running back and you're one-on-one with somebody, that's usually advantage running back. You can make a guy miss when you're when it's two-on-one. You're not going to be able to do that. And it was, that was the case because Marquez Callaway couldn't land his block.
0: So he's probably yeah. on my dead list as well. I will say I was disappointed not to see uh, Adam Troutman really do much. I was hoping that... Okay, one catch, re- Yeah, one catch. I was hoping his return to the lineup would add a little more boost to this offense, but still not a much from the trout man. No nope. fish man did
1: not do the job. Another dud for me. Hmm. Rashid Shaheed. Yeah, I gotta go. I agree with you. You know, it's, it's tough because his role is limited, right? Like he doesn't do that much, but when your role is limited, you need to execute that role. Right. <laughs> I feel the same way about Blake Gillikin all season. Like you only do one thing. You have to do it at a high level. And Rashid didn't do that in this game. he, wasn't able to get up underneath Jordan Stout's um, opening punt, his first punt of the game. And, you know, I understand it came off weird. It was like a knuckleball. If you field that punt, that saves you 26 yards. Like, we make a big deal about long returns. The To me, the bigger thing for a punt returner is saving yards. It is getting up and fielding the ball so it doesn't roll for 26 yards. And that was a big moment in that game. That's a big. That's a quarter of the field. Um, and so he wasn't able to do that. And that's the thing. when you are a return specialist. Now, if this is if this is Jarvis Landry going back there, if this is Chris Olave going back there, that's one thing, right? This is a return specialist. There's a reason he's not that heavily incorporated into the offense because he's a return specialist. And so that that's what bugged me. And he, he almost he almost muffed another one. I think he was having a hard time tracking Jordan Stout's ball in the air. And, you know, maybe this is a something you give credit to Jordan Stout for. Maybe he has this weird kind of screwball kick. But that second one, he had to like reach behind him. I thought he was for sure gonna drop that. Um, but he did manage to catch it. So he's a you know, he's not a full dud, but he's like, you know, it kind of like halfway went off, right? And it was like a like if you have like a like a sparkler that like burned halfway and then went out.
0: No, and then seeing him trip again, obviously you're like, come on, what's going on? You need to. He had, a decent, he
1: had one decent return in the in the return game. I thought he had like a 14-15 yard return. But yeah, I mean, it, it's the it, you know, I want to see the like, like the bigger turns are great, but you have to nail the small details before you get to the big
0: details, and I think that's where you missed it. So he's on and, my list. And to me too, you mentioned Blake Gillikin there as well. What's happened to him since that booming eighty-one yarder in Green Bay in the preseason? We haven't seen that at all translate into the regular season. He's been a he? non-factor. I um, mean, he did get drug tested after that. So wait a minute, conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> but he passed the test. <laughs> Just getting drug
1: tested is what is what took away his powers. Yeah, Honestly, I don't, I don't know. It
0: just it's it was amazing because we were all obviously you know giving him his flowers for that huge punt in the preseason, but we haven't seen it at all. and he punts in a dome?
1: Maybe he started taking steroids because he figured he wasn't going to get tested again, and that's just thrown off his balance. It's bulked him up too much. Because,
0: like, hey, once you get drug tested, you you know, you should feel free and clear, right? You're not going to get drug tested again for a little while. And I'm guessing he had family and friends there because, you know, pregame you see folks on the sideline. And I saw a Blake Gilligan jersey and and a Blake Gilligan jacket. I mean, he hasn't had a ton of bad punts. Like, the only real
1: shank I can remember was against the Bengals. But they just, you know, he was elite last year. Yeah. He has not been this year. He has not influence the results of games in any way he has not been able to flip field position he has not been able i can't remember a single kick from him getting downed inside the 10 yard line like not not the three not the five the 10 i i don't i don't know if he's had one this year no i can't think of any offhand this season either those are the types of punts that can change a game because you know if the defense does its job you you know you have a huge advantage there and you can you know a lot of it, I would love to see the numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but I guarantee you if, you, if you looked up like drives that start from the 20 versus drives that start inside the 10, the percentage of three and outs skyrockets. Because when you're that close to your goal line, you have to be careful. And the defense also, you can play aggressive because you're not worried about, oh yeah, he's not going 95, 95 yards down the field, right? Like he's not gonna sit back in that pocket and wait for somebody to get out. So you can be a little more aggressive. and But when you're at the 20, you don't have to worry about that. And and that's the frustrating thing because you felt like special teams was going to be a significant advantage for the Saints. And at best, it's been a non-factor.
0: I'm actually surprised. I'm looking at this. They have inside the 20, and he's had 12 kicks this year inside the 20. Has he really? I, I know. I'm surprised by it as well. Seven at home, five away. Jeez. I don't remember
1: any of them. (laughs) he had two last night inside the 20 inside the 20. Yeah. Well, so yeah, he had one that there was that drive that we were talking about where the Ravens were deep in their own territory, but it still wasn't inside the 10. I think they got it at like the 16. And so, yeah, I mean, I I think that's similar. Like that's basically a touchback, but yeah, I mean, no, I I think he has been a, a, a letdown this season and it's like, he's a punter. You don't expect a lot out of the punter, but I feel like you do, when he had the type of season he did last year, and you haven't seen it. My last one, I'll finish this on a positive note. Two guys wow. that I thought actually had a decent <laughs> game on the defensive side of the ball. Like, no one tackled Lamar all night, so I'm not going to get overly critical of of these guys not being able to take down Lamar, because literally no one did. But I thought Peyton Turner and Carl Granderson had decent days, kind of, you know, on a, on a defensive line that really kind of got bullied. And I say that because one of my big critiques of this team is the lack of athleticism across the line and it in the linebacker group. You know, you don't like, there's no one on this team on this defense that like you your think is going to like track down Lamar Jackson, right? Like once they get out, they're gone. Uh, you're not beating anyone to the edges of the field. And, but I think Peyton Turner is, is a guy who does have that kind of extra gear at the defensive end position. I think Carl Granderson is like that as well kind of runs like a gazelle um, and so I think that they did a decent job and the uh, the rest of the defensive line can't say as much the interior rush did not do its job especially late in the game um and yeah it, it was a struggle but I thought those two guys for young players they're going to be important to this team right you you talk about a lot of a lot of people are going to be talking about tearing it down and, and starting from scratch and doing all this those are going to be two guys who you would want to build around right those are the, so like you want to see those guys getting better and i think that that we've seen that the last couple weeks with Peyton
0: Turner have you gotten a chance to break down your film yet here for this game or no no i mean i don't even have the L22 yet that's the okay, problem yeah, my life okay i'm just curious i thought de'mario davis might have had a decent game but uh, i mean that's it's trying to find you know the, the the diamond in the rough there kind of thing i mean he's always solid you know he's, right. he doesn't miss tackles i think he's a, he's
1: a step slower this season than what we've seen in years past but he's also been being used more as a pass rusher. Right. Um, he, he did has, have a sack. He has a career-high six sacks yeah. through, in 10 games, right? So I think his role is a little different because the pass rush has not been as effective this season. And that's impacting his ability to, to play the run as a linebacker, right? But but he is also a really effective blitzer. He's a very good blitzer in terms of timing, in terms of, you know, setting it up. He forced a field goal with one blitz because he just forced Lamar to throw the ball before he was ready and that is one thing you see Lamar Jackson if you can put pressure on him and force him to throw on the run, he is a much less accurate quarterback. He well, wants he was mad at himself a few times. He wants to run to run. He doesn't want to run to throw. And he will he will extend. But if you get him on the run he struggles, and and because there was wide open receivers throughout that game, it could have been a much worse game than it was. But they were able to put some pressure on him, and it, when he's trying to escape, he gets a little inaccurate, and you saw that a few times where it's like he had guys wide open, he's missed them. Uh, yeah, I forget
0: watching. it was the third or fourth quarter, but he would he stayed on the ground after you know trying to get the throw off uh, to his receiver, and no, he he missed a wide open target and just was there, you know, pounding the turf because yeah. he was so ticked off. No, I mean, he has a really good arm when he can stand
1: in the pocket and deliver. Uh, you know, I, I think, like, that's where he loses it a little bit is when he gets to the edges of the field. But he did throw a really nice ball to Deshaun Jackson after he fumbled it and picked it up and kind of, like, just scrambled around. And, like, I feel like nine times out of ten, you're, you're going to end up seeing a receiver by themselves downfield because yeah. it's, it's hard to maintain that coverage when all this craziness is going on, you don't know who has the ball, you don't know what's happening, and all of a sudden you're trying to keep up with Deshaun Jackson. But I thought I—I don't know if Alante had a great game. You know, we did hear Dennis Allen kind of say he missed an assignment at one point. But I thought of that play was really impressive that he was able to stick with De- Deshaun Jackson and and break that up. That was the third down play and it forced a punt.
0: We had talked about that too pregame where we were worried about having Deshaun Jackson, you know, come up off the practice squad and have a huge 70-80 yard catch and then, you know, that's all he would do the whole game. But he had, but, he did end up leaving though with a hamstring issue. So, yeah, the, the old man couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, he's a uh, yeah,
1: not going to not going to be a huge impact.
0: But okay, that's it for me. Do you have any more you want to bring up? No, and I mean we could bang on a lot of guys, and I think we brought up most of the duds from the game. Uh, didn't didn't really mention Andy Dalton, but I think that goes without saying. Uh, yeah, he's definitely
1: in the dud category. But we went through a lot with him. You know, right? Oh, the one I didn't mention that I meant to mention was the offensive line and Andy Dalton. Uh, yeah, great, right. That was that was actually my biggest dud, and I completely <laughs> forgot to bring it up until just now because there's just so many. But so. You know, I don't think Andy Dalton as a passer, I think he was fine, right? Like when he had receivers, he hit them. When he was able to get the ball off, he hit them. You know, that throw to Marquise Calloway notwithstanding. But he did not handle the rush. No. At all. At all. And for a veteran quarterback, you got to be better than that. For a guy who you know isn't going to run, you got to be better than that. And part of it was losing your center. I think Eric McCoy makes a lot of the line calls and that affects them. But, you know, you're a veteran guy. You have to be able to settle your offensive line down and figure it out. And he never was in that game. He did not handle the rush well at all. He had three balls batted down at the line. When it happens once you say, you know, shame on you, right? When it happens three times, it's like it's your fault because you are not adjusting. I think Tom Brady used to do this drill where they would like literally stand there with tennis rackets. Yeah. And he would try to throw it and they would try to bat it down, you know, because that's something you have to, cons- you have to be aware of as a quarterback when you, you can't just you can't just throw it like two inches over the shoulder of a defensive lineman and expect him not to react to it. And once it happens twice, you should be on high alert for it. And, you, and then the third time end of the game. And so like that's something, you know, again, it's like these are things that you would expect a veteran savvy, you know, quarterback. To to be prepared for. And it just didn't seem like he was in that game. Like he looked rattled. And yeah, you know, he, like we said he was getting hit hard. Maybe he was dealing with a little bit of an injury by the end of
0: that game. But he just he didn't look good. No, and what a difference a week makes. How bad is that Raiders team after seeing yeah. what the Ravens did coming <laughs> in? Oh my lord.
1: Yeah, we want to talk about the Saints being bad. Man, the Raiders, oh gosh, like they're in a new city. They just moved to Las Vegas, right? They can't afford to, to, like, the Saints are entrenched. The Saints have a fan base. The Saints fans aren't leaving. They might get mad. They might say, you know, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. But they'll also be mad. They they don't, the, the Raiders don't have a fan base in Las Vegas yet. They have to earn that.
0: <laughs> they're no, not the, doing the, the hockey team might be drawing more than the Raiders right now.
1: Right, right, right. They're going to try to add an NBA team because they're like, man, this football stuff isn't stuff. But yeah, the, so yeah, the Raiders are bad. Like, the Raiders are so bad. How bad are they?
0: The Raiders are so bad that they tricked you into thinking the Saints were going to win more than one game the rest of the season. Oh, man. They definitely tricked me into thinking a two-game win streak was possible. Yeah, crazy, right? Who's never going to get that?
1: That's a good segue into the final segment, which is we're going to kind of recap. It's going to be a quick one. We're going to kind of reset and talk about the final eight games and where we expect to see some wins. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Subscribe.